The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, yes, indeed. We are back. Been looking forward to this heavyweight title rematch, the first of two heavyweight title rematches that we get within two weeks of each other. Welcome into the latest version of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am your somewhat capable host. I do have outstanding guests forthcoming. We'll go over the roll call of who's going to join us in a few moments, and we're here to talk lots about the WBC heavyweight championship fight, Deontay Wilder making the 10th defense of his title, won in 2015 in Las Vegas. First time that he has fought in Vegas since he won the belt. Nine fights ago against Berman Stavern by unanimous decision that launched Wilder's career into a new realm, a championship realm. He's now defended the title successfully nine times, including the draw in December of last year with Tyson Fury, the one-punch knockout destruction of Dominic Brazil in May in Brooklyn. And now he's back in the ring fighting Luis Ortiz, Cuban-born heavyweight contender that gave Wilder all he could handle in their first fight in March of 2018. Had Wilder shook up like Elvis, all shook up. He had him shook up uh, back in 2018 in, in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, but Wilder responded, ended up scoring the TKO uh, with a couple of knockdowns in the 10th round to retain the belt yet again. So uh, obviously there's a lot of intrigue into, into whether Ortiz can do that again or will Wilder do what he did to Stavern in their rematch when he rematched Stavern after a 12-round decision, bombs away with a first-round knockout. Will it be the same Saturday night in the rematch here? Bombs away again. We're going to find out as part of this pay-per-view. So lots of different action that's going on here. There's also a, uh, a matchroom boxing fight card featuring Callum Smith uh, that we're going to talk about later on in the podcast. 168-pound champion uh, doing battle in Liverpool, England. All kinds of fights that are going on all over the place on this undercard, too, of Wilder and Ortiz. I'm interested in Leo Santa Cruz and Miguel Flores. That may be the most entertaining fight of this weekend. High-volume punching fight. We'll see. We'll see what kind of action we get in that co-feature fight before the Wilder-Ortiz main event in Las Vegas. All right, so on the roll call of guests, straight ahead from Las Vegas, we'll lead things off with JT the Brick, my Fox Sports Radio colleague. We're both part of the alumni, having worked together at Fox Sports Radio for many years. You know JT's late-night voice for more than 20 years, uh, overnights and late nights on the radio with Fox Sports Radio, etc. Now on Sirius XM with Mad Dog Sports Radio. He's the late-night guy on Mad Dog Sports Radio. JT, based in Las Vegas, has seen many a big time title fight and heavyweight title fight let's see what happens uh coming up in this one saturday and how it ranks up i'm anxious to talk with jt about that uh then we will go inside the camp of deontay wilder mark breland the former world welterweight champion himself is the trainer for Deontay Wilder with his team. We'll talk to Mark about this matchup and this fight with Luis Ortiz, this rematch, and what's at stake. And, and obviously, Mark's got a lot of savvy, a lot of experience having been through it himself. So I'm anxious to talk with him, and you'll hear from him about that on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Then we will check in with our buddy Antoine Williams, the greatest of all time boxing promotions out of Houston. He's always a great guest on Big Fight Weekend, very knowledgeable, up-and-coming boxing promoter. He's actually scouting some fighters in Washington, D.C. I'll have him tell you more about that. He'll give his thoughts and a prediction on Wilder and Ortiz coming up in Las Vegas. Then we go across the pond. I am based here in West Central Florida in the United States. We'll go across 
across the pond to England. David Payne, the boxing writer. I uh, love his uh, insight, his comments. Love his writings on his own site, boxingwriter.co.uk. That's David's site, boxingwriter.co.uk. Uh, we've had him on the podcast over and over and over again for his insight on all things, including Wilder and Ortiz in the heavyweight title fight. They'll have some insight as well on this Callum Smith Title defense at 168 pounds. That one again, right in his region in Liverpool, England, uh, for Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night in England. So uh, David Payne in a little bit. And we'll, we'll kind of compare Deontay Wilder to some of the other great heavyweights with several of our guests, including with David on the show. And then Marquise Johns is here to close things out. Senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Get his thoughts on Wilder and Ortiz. What kind of chance does Luis Ortiz have? Marquise will also have some thoughts on some of the other fight cards that are going to be going on as well. So I'm anxious to talk with him about that to close out the show. So all those guests forthcoming. A reminder that Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part by our friends at Vivid Seats. If you are looking for tickets for this Ortiz uh, Wilder pay-per-view rematch, MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, or tickets for any big event, college football, the NFL, the NBA that started up, Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app, check into them. They are proud sponsors with us here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast at BigFightWeekend.com. And use our promo code BIGFIGHT10. Use the promo code BIGFIGHT10. You save 10% off your order up to $50. First-time users, sign up. It takes less than five minutes to sign up and figure this all out and get your tickets. You'll buy them safely, securely, 100% customer satisfaction guarantee with Vivid Seats. And the promo code that saves you 10% is BIGFIGHT10. Remember that promo code, BIGFIGHT10, for Big Fight Weekend. All right, we are ready to go. Let's get to our guest. Let's talk some more of Deontay Wilder's title defense, his rematch with Luis Ortiz. Let's get it started. Counting down to a rematch, WBC Heavyweight Championship, 10th title defense, Deontay Wilder rematching Luis Ortiz, MGM Grand Garden Arena, Las Vegas. And who better than the unelected mayor of Vegas, JT the Brick. Love his insight. Mad Dog Sports Radio now, as well as Vegas uh, Radio, my, my Fox Sports Radio brother from another mother. We are the alumni of Fox Sports Radio. He's in Vegas. He's ready to help me uh, figure out what's going to happen here. Always good to be with you, my friend, especially heavyweight title fight pay-per-view in Vegas. It gets no bigger than this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, thanks, TJ. Great to talk to you. We love the heavyweights. We been able to talk about Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd and Manny over the years and Errol Spence and Bud Crawford, but there's nothing like throwing the suit on in Vegas, bringing the boys into fight night when the heavyweights <laughs> are in town. It just, it just takes it up a notch. I can't wait. And I've, I, I was one of the first guys to interview the Bronze Bomber at a radio row at the Super Bowl four or five years ago and built a relationship with him. I love him. He's great at promoting fights. And uh, hopefully he brings his A game. So interestingly, he won the title in 2015 in Vegas, but has not fought in Vegas since. Yes, in Alabama. Yes, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn several times. Yes, at the Staples Center. So I, I often ask you this question and your colleague T.C. Martin this question. So I, same thing. Is this a big deal because Wilder's not fought there a bunch like Pacquiao has or Mayweather did or Canelo does? Is it a big deal right now, as we build up to this fight, that Wilder is fighting there defending the title? Yeah, I think it is, because Wilder's a big name, and he has the ability. He has, he's one of the few who could 
unify the belts and be the undisputed heavyweight champ and to fight in Vegas and to put on a show. I mean, we've been rocking in Vegas. You know, the Raiders are building their stadium. The Golden Knights are home this week. There's been so many big events here over the last two, three weeks that you look up at the calendar and UNLV football, UNLV basketball is underway. We have a holiday NCAA tournaments coming. There's so much happening here, the rodeo, and now you throw this fight in. So fight fans are going to pay attention. It's a good matchup between two powerful fighters. I think the undercard is okay. And it's Vegas. It just turned a little wintry, though, TJ. That's the one thing I wanted to tell you. I'm giving you an update coming in. We've had, like, Maui, Hawaii weather for a month. It's been 75 to 80 degrees. It's been raining. It's cold. You know, it feels like winter is coming to Las Vegas this weekend. How about that? I still remember being out there. You speak basketball tournaments. I was out there for a UNLV basketball tournament that I was working in December, and some of the biggest snowflakes I saw in my life were in Las Vegas. They were the size of Volkswagens, a mid-December snow in the desert. So it does happen uh, out there. All right. Uh, A lot of people believe, much like when he rematched Stavern, the guy he took the title off of originally and knocked him out easily in the first round that this may be over against Ortiz in a rematch and may be over quickly. JT the Brick, do you subscribe to that? Is Wilder going to get him out of there fast, fast, fast Saturday? Yeah, and um, I'm happy you said that because predictions, I've been I've been good as of late. I had the Canelo-Kovalev fight perfectly to the round and uh, nailed that one. And this one, I think you're going to get a Wilder TKO in the fifth round. I think Ortiz is big enough to withstand the the heat of Wilder early in the fight because I think Wilder's going to... You know, TJ, you, you cover boxing as, as good as anyone, and Wilder fundamentally is still off. I'm hoping for a big improvement as I sit ringside for this one with his gloves up a little bit more, you know, protecting a little bit better defensively. His footwork can always get better, but he throws a lot of wild punches. Yes, and he doesn't re- he doesn't reset correctly. And a great fighter, like someone like Tyson with his counter moves, or Lennox Lewis, or just guys who are fundamentally solid and sound with their skills, would have knocked him out because he just keeps his hands down. I want to make sure in these first couple of rounds, when he goes for a knockout or he throws a couple of big punches, he's careful that he protects himself from the big right uppercut or the right cross that we could see from Ortiz because if he lands he just needs to land one punch to really get Wilder off of his balance and and be the aggressor here so I think it's going to be wild in the first two or three rounds I think it'll settle in the third or fourth round and I think Wilder will wear him out because he's in such good shape and then just put him away in the fifth voice of JT the brick with me for a few more minutes love checking in with the brick here on all things Vegas all things sports but in particular heavyweight title pay-per-view you kind of answered part of this but if he wins Saturday and we suspect he will Wilder will have defended the title 10 times so now you're starting to get towards rarefied air with the likes recently of Lennox Lewis Tyson defended it 10 times Uh, Buster Douglas beating in the 11th uh, fight, in the 11th title defense. Where does this guy compare? Evander Holyfield is in that mix. Holyfield fought a couple of great fights with Riddick Bowe in Las Vegas. Where does Wilder belong in the argument right now with some of those other names that I listed? What do you think? I don't think he's at that level yet, and and age isn't his friend. Age isn't on his side, but 
he has the opportunity that I've been telling everyone in the next three fights, depending on what these promoters do, if they don't screw it up, he could, I think Joshua is going to beat Ruiz and I don't need to see it again. If it's a third fight, because I think Joshua obviously didn't take the fight with Andy Ruiz seriously. I think that Wilder has the opportunity to have a big fight here in Vegas, win this fight, win the Tyson Fury fight, because I just think he's a better fighter and a win, and then beat Joshua and have that fight. Think of those three fights, TJ, going off in the next year and a half to two years. You could put that up. You could put that up against any opponents that Tyson had, no debate. You could put that up against any opponents that Lennox Lewis had in a three-fight you know, a year and a half if it all plays out right. But we've both been doing this long enough to know that that probably (laughs) won't happen. There'll be an upset. There'll be a a promoter not happy about it. But I think the Wilder wants to put this fight behind him, really concentrate on Tyson Fury, who everybody takes very seriously, as I know you do, and then have a global fight with Joshua if everything works out. If Ruiz ends up winning, he, he ends the career. Of Joshua, so there's a lot going on in the heavyweights here. I think by this time next year, when I'm when I come on with you next November, <laughs> we get through we get through Cinco de Mayo, we get through Cinco de Mayo and the fights. Then we could be talking about one of the best calendar years next year in boxing in 20 years. Let's hope so. I mean, you you said the key phrase: if they don't screw it up, and and Ruiz in a way screwed it up with the upset, and now it's incumbent on Joshua to get it back on track. Because I'd love to see he and Wilder, but I don't know that we're going to see he and Wilder, especially if Ruiz beats him again. He may disappear from the heavyweight landscape. Uh, we will find out. We definitely know it's Wilder Ortiz Saturday night. JT the Brick is talking all about it locally in Vegas and on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Plug away, my friend. How do we hear you the rest of this week and heading into Saturday and after the fight, et cetera, et cetera? Plug away, please. Thank you. I'm on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio, 11p to 3 a.m. Eastern, 8 to midnight Pacific time. I host an evening drive show in Vegas. Uh, Monday to Friday, I'm live at the MGM hosting that show at the LVSportsNetwork.com is where you could stream it live. And I'm always talking boxing. I'm talking Raider football like you're talking Buccaneer football. (laughs) And the Raiders are coming. So next time, next year when you come out to a heavyweight fight, I'm telling you now, it will be at the football stadium. If it's that big, they could move it out of T-Mobile, out of the MGM Grand. And believe it or not, we could see a global heavyweight championship fight at Allegiant Stadium that'll house the Raiders in the next year, year and a half. about that? From your lips to the boxing god's ears that we could see something like Joshua Wilder, hypothetically, in that kind of setting, it would be wild. Uh, we will find out. JT The Brick. Follow him at JT The Brick as well on social media. I always love uh, breaking it all down, including boxing. Should be a blast. He will be there. He will be ringside for Wilder Ortiz. He says it's not going six rounds. Let's see what happens. JT, thank you, brother. Thanks, my brother. Talk to you soon. Looking forward to this. This man will be in the corner with the WBC heavyweight champion, Deontay Wilder. He has been there with him really uh, throughout his professional career, certainly for his championship portion of his professional career. Mark Breland, the former world welterweight champion himself, is our guest again on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We have had you on before. It is always a pleasure to have you on again. And I always ask you the same kind of question here. We're approaching fight time. How are things going? How are you feeling? How is Deontay feeling as we get close to this, Mark? Oh, no, I'm feeling good. Deontay is looking good and feeling good. You know, things are going pretty good in camp. 
and um, I have no complaints. Everything's going as, as planned so far. I know from talking to him a couple of weeks ago, we talked to him while he was still in Alabama before he ever came to Las Vegas. Uh, he described himself as ready then. I asked him then. I'm going to ask you the same question now. When you're ready, when you're primed, and it's still a couple of weeks to go, how do you occupy your mind? What do you do for the next couple of weeks? Because you still have some time between you and the fight. How has that part been a challenge? Well, what you're doing, you're basically still training, but not at that high, not at that level. You know, you don't want to go off, you know, full, you know, full blast at that level. But you know, there's a certain level where you know you can you can still keep yourself in great shape and not overdo it. That is exactly what you have to do is just remain focused. You know, I've had the chance to interview a couple of times before, but not ask you this question because it hasn't been a rematch. You've got the same opponent in front of you in uh, Luis Ortiz. Now, obviously, Deontay destroyed uh, Berman Stavern on the rematch the last time he fought an opponent in a rematch in just one round. With this being a rematch, how do you approach that tactically in a camp? Because you have done it before, how did you guys approach it? How will you approach it Saturday night? Well, you know, my thing, you know, approach it, approach it the same way, you know, as you did the first time. But still, now, I, I've seen Ortiz. He looks like he, he's, he's lost some weight. He looks, in, he looks like he's in much better shape than he was the last time. So my thing is, you know, approach it like the last fight, but a little higher, on a higher level. That will be the idea. Ortiz obviously shook Deontay up. That's a good way to to phrase it. He shook him up. He didn't drop him. And then Wilder uh, went on to win uh, three rounds later. You experienced this in your own career, and how do you relate it to your fighter that when you make it through something like that, when somebody shakes you up, you respond, and you still score a knockout what does that do for your confidence? What did it do for your confidence, maybe in your own career? And how do you help Deontay with it now? Well, my thing is, you know, you, you win like that. You know, I mean, my thing is, you know, is where if you win, you know, you get hit like that and you get hurt or whatever and you come back, you know, now, now you know you can, you can overcome stuff like that. So now just keep pushing, keep pushing forward. That's all. Voice of Mark Breland with us for a little while longer. He's in the corner with Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber, who gets set to rematch Luis Ortiz. That is coming on Saturday night on pay-per-view, on Fox pay-per-view from the MGM Grand Garden Arena. If you do remember, I imagine you probably do, when he came back to the corner after that seventh round in the March 2018 fight, you probably had numerous concerns in talking to him and looking at him. What What was... The message, what was the biggest concern besides making sure he's okay in terms of tactics, Mark? What were you going over? What were you would take me back to that moment if you would? Well, what happened when he came back to the corner, I mean his eyes was wide open. And I seen him like, okay. And I said, Look, stay off the I said, stay off the ropes, stay out of the corner, use your jab. I said, clear your head, clear your head. And so I looked at him and he had his eyes like wide open looking at me. So I took a bucket of ice. And poured it down his trunks. I said, "You got it." <laughs> he said, oh, "I got, I got it now. And I got it now." He's like, "Okay, okay, okay." But you know, it's like when when you're in a situation like that, you know, some guys, some coaches, you got coaches that panic. Okay, all right, I need you to do this. I want you to do that. Oh, they don't get that. 
They don't get it. Unless you ever boxed before and you got hit and something like that, you don't get it. Because right then, you're, you're pretty much still out of it. So once you, you know, my thing, I got to clear your head, help you clear your head and get it, you know, get yourself back together again and push you back out there. And this man would know something about that, former two-time world welterweight champion. Uh, uh, hey, a fun one from you uh, for you. I will get back to the Wilder fight in just a second. The anniversary just happened uh, of the Night of Champions of the 1984 gold medalist when you guys all fought together, you, uh, Pernell Whitaker, Tyrell Biggs, and everybody fought on the same card. Uh, it was really a neat night. I remember that night as a fan, as, as a teenager growing up. I remember that night. Uh, now to look back yeah. on it, what do, what do you remember about that night when you guys all turned pro together after winning gold medals in the 84 Olympics as you did? Well, I, what I remember, it was to me it was funny because, you know, all the guys, you know, like Pernell, Meldrick, and everybody, you know, everybody, you know, had good fights and, you know, we all won. But the thing is, you know, I'm in New York at the Garden, and so I figured, Okay, I got, you know, and I knew I had a tough fight. I knew I had a tough fight. I'm like, okay, okay, that's how we do it. And I won a decision. But in the, you know, going like through the Golden Gloves in New York all my years, I had what, 20, I think I had 24 fights out of the five years. And I had what, 23 knockouts. So everybody looking for a knockout. And I'm hitting this guy with everything. I'm hitting this guy with everything I got. I'm like, Hey, I got my. I'm saying to myself, "Well, I'm gonna knock it out. <laughs> I'm gonna knock it out. I'm gonna win the decision." And so that was, you know, that was my. But that's what I remember. I'm like, I know I had a tough fight. Well, th there's no doubt uh, you decisioned Dwight Williams that night. Your first three fights were decisions, but then you got the knockouts rolling, and this man eventually got to 17-0 and and, uh, and won the WBA World Welterweight Championship. Okay, fun one, because I've asked you this before, but I want the answer right now for the audience here. Uh, take me into the dressing room 30 minutes before. Take me into the walk to the ring. What is that like? What are you telling your fighter? What are you telling yourself uh, because obviously there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of noise when you walk out of the main arena and the music's blaring and the spotlights are on you. What What is that like right now? What will it be like Saturday night walking down the ring with Deontay? In my thing, when I'm in, like, in situations like that, everything's calm. I want everybody calm. Nobody getting all hyped up and crazy. Just stay relaxed. Stay relaxed. You know, it's like... Um, you know, you got, you, well, you have people around that never box or people never been in that situation. And so they yelling and yelling and screaming. They don't realize, hey, man, you know, this is a fight coming up. This is something, you know, where you got to concentrate. You want to keep your mind focused on what you got to do. The fight is going to do that regardless. But you don't want, you know, people as you're walking out, people, hey, yo, 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 you're screaming like your name. You got to stay, you have to fight it to himself. That's just as focused as he can get. You know, I don't want nobody around them to where you want to talk, yo, Cam, good luck, God. We know, we know all about all that. Just let them be. Stay calm, stay focused, do your best on that one. One more about legacies. You obviously have a, a legacy as a two-time uh, world champion and won a ton of world title fights. If he wins, and we suspect that Deontay will, still got to put the work in, still got to do it, it's 10 straight yeah. title defenses as a heavyweight champion, Mark. 
you start getting mentioned with names like Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson. He already is, but Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Ali, mm-hmm. on and on that defended the heavyweight title 10 times. What's the significance of that for you to be part of that and what he looks like he's going to attain Saturday night? Well, I guess, you know, as far as, I mean, being a trainer, you know, and being a fighter in passing from, from before, but being a trainer now, and so it's a good thing, you know, having someone that you can bring up and put him in this position where, you know, He's uh, but breaks the record, I guess, or tie the record, tie the record, or break the record. I like breaking records. <laughs> I know that you you like breaking <laughs> jaws too. Back in the day, hey hey, one fun one because so many people love to compare eras, etc. How entertaining! I'm not asking you who wins or how. How entertaining would a Deontay Wilder Mike Tyson fight have ever been? Both in their prime, Deontay with the size, with the reach, Tyson obviously with the style and the power. That would have been a blast just to watch it unfold. Had it ever had it ever come about with both of them in their prime, right? Yes, it would have been a dangerous fight. For both. That's a fight where you <laughs> no, that's a fight where you go out there, don't don't go to the concession stand. <laughs> don't don't even blink. Don't even blink. Somebody talking to you just look, 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 no no not right now, not right now, not right now. You don't talk to them at that moment. Because there ain't no telling them what any at any second somebody can go. Yeah, well, people people uh, obviously know that Deontay had a ton of first round knockouts. So did Mike Tyson. You're absolutely right. You would not. You would not. You would want to be in your seat and be paying attention at the bell because uh, there were so many people in the Speaks fight that weren't in their seat yet in Atlantic City in '88. I know you remember that, and it was over Man, before they could get to their seat. Bam! It was done. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So you know, and especially you got two guys that can bang. Somebody's going. I mean, it's not. It's, it's, one thing: do not blink and do not go to the bathroom. Do nothing. Just <laughs> right there. Somebody's going down. I love it. Uh, he's in the corner with Deontay Wilder as the trainer, former world welterweight champion, former Olympic gold medalist Mark Breland. Always a treat to talk with you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Good luck to you in the camp, and I look forward to talking to you again about many more Deontay Wilder accomplishments and big fights. Thank you, Mark Breland. Thank you. I appreciate it. More guests coming up here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Still to come, David Payne, the boxing writer from over in the UK, boxingwriter.co.uk. Marquise Johns, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Still to come on the podcast. We do have a brand new sponsor uh, here as part of Big Fight Weekend and Talking Boxing. In particular, if you're an American football fan, and you love college or NFL football, check out the site smackapparel.com. Great in-your-face themed shirts at Smack Apparel. Whether you're an Alabama fan in college, an Ohio State fan, on and on for the SEC, Clemson out of the ACC, Oklahoma, on and on in college, and then to the NFL. Patriots, Cowboys, uh, you name it, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, on and on in-your-face Against your rival, anti-rival theme shirts, it's smackapparel.com. And we've got a great promo code with Black Friday coming right after Thanksgiving, Cyber Monday off the weekend as well. Get your orders in for these shirts uh, with the promo code 
in this instance, fight. Use the promo code FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, as part of Big Fight Weekend, and you will save 20% off your order. Deontay Wilder would love these Alabama shirts. We've been talking about Deontay and his title defense. He's an Alabama Crimson Tide guy, born and bred in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, wanted to play for the Tide. They've got some great classic shirts. Uh, they only hate us because they ain't us. Uh, the Alabama fan shirt at smackapparel.com. Use the promo code FIGHT. Save 20% off your order at checkout. Buy as many shirts as you want. Save 20% with the promo code FIGHT. And for any orders over $40, they're going to ship for free. In time for Thanksgiving, in time for the holidays, big college football rivalry games this weekend, next weekend, get your order in this weekend. Smackapparel.com. Don't just take my word for it. Go check out these hilarious, in-your-face theme shirts for college and NFL football primarily. They've got the NBA. They've got baseball, etc. But we love the college football and the NFL Go to smackapparel.com. Promo code is FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, to save 20% off your order. And $40 or more, it ships for free with smackapparel.com. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Had to, had to, get, had to get the, for three had tos, get the breakdown uh, of this upcoming Deontay Wilder WBC heavyweight title rematch defense. Luis Ortiz is the opponent again. They had a wild fight a year and a half ago that Wilder won after being rocked, won it by a 10th round TKO. Now the rematch, Saturday night in Las Vegas and the greatest of all time boxing promotions, Antoine Williams is back with me here to help break it all down as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. First of all, how you feeling? Because we're now approaching fight time on what is one of the bigger fights of the end of the year here. What do you think? How you feeling? You're raring to go for this one? Oh, absolutely, TJ. Man, I can't wait. You know, we got the Brahms Bomber against King Kong, not Godzilla. So I can't <laughs> wait. I'm out here in D.C., man. I'm out here where all they're talking is political, and all I want to do is talk boxing. So I'm ready, TJ. Let's get this thing going. I know, I know you were glad for my phone call. Let's put the impeachment aside. Let's put the government stuff aside, the man's in the, in the district. Let's put all that aside, and let's talk the sweet science. So we will do that for a moment or two. Um, curious what you think. When we saw Wilder rematch Berman Stavern uh, back a couple of years ago, he destroyed him in one round. So we have that to go off of in terms of a rematch and even recently. What do you anticipate here now that we get this a second time? Do we anticipate Wilder going for a big knockout early? What do you think? You know, that could very well happen. Um, we all know bronze, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder, his uh, forte is the big right hand. There's no surprise there. Um, he is, he will, you know, he'll tell you he's not the most technically skilled boxer in the world. Um, but you know, when you have a right hand, that's like dynamite that can get you out of any kind of a, uh, tobacco, you know, then, then, then you're good to go. So I do think that Deontay Wilder wants to win impressively. So to answer your question, I do feel that he doesn't want this fight to go the distance. We all know there's only two fights to win the distance in Deontay Wilder's career. And that was Stavern, which he actually knocked out, you know, in the, in the rematch within two rounds, unconsciously knocked the guy unconscious. And then we know Tyson Fury made it out of the fight. And some people question that fight as saying, hey, did Fury even beat the tank out? Which 
you know, uh, he probably didn't if we had to if we had to replay it. So um, I do think Deontay Wilder is coming to make a statement. I can't wait, TJ. I think this fight does not go the distance. You know, uh, be as it may, whether it's Wilder by knockout, whether it's King Kong Ortiz by knockout, I don't see this fight going 12 rounds. And that's the intrigue. That's what everybody wants to see. That's why the ratings are going to be skyrocketed through the roof because they want to see a knockout. And nobody brings it like the big boys, DJ. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And Ortiz said as much himself in the Wednesday press conference. He basically said uh, through the interpreter, this is not going 12. Whatever happens here, it's not going to be a decision. And it may not even go eight. And it may not even go six. Uh, If Ortiz has a shot at an upset here. We saw the straight left hand is what hurt Wilder in the first fight. Is that his best hope? A big straight punch, a big straight left, rocks him again and changes the changes the course of the fight, changes the momentum. Is that the best hope here? Really, it is. Think about it. Um, Ortiz is, is, you know, he's a decent boxer himself, um, but Ortiz is a power puncher. You know, he typically gets you out of there. Most of his wins, as we know, TJ are by knockout. Um, Here's what's scary, though. Ortiz hurt Deontay Wilder in the first fight. First time I've ever seen Wilder a little a little stunned. Um, I don't think he was in great danger, but he was a little hurt. Uh, and, and Deontay Wilder, I heard him on a, on a podcast, which I think was your podcast, by mm-hmm. the way. Great job. I heard him say something about he wasn't even 100% in the fight. And if you can't get Deontay Wilder, if your best chance to get him out of there is when he's not feeling 100% and you still can't do it, Oh, gosh, you're in trouble. So I think Ortiz does have a chance, of course, in boxing. Everybody has a puncher's chance. Um, he is strong. He's a big heavyweight. He's in shape. I'm very, I'm very pleased to see Ortiz took his, uh, he took his uh, dieting serious. He looks in phenomenal shape. He said he had to you know, change his conditioning. He feels like he beat himself in the first fight, which I argue with that. I think the right hand is what, what beat him with the uppercut when he got knocked out by, the, by that last knockdown. But I do think that, you know, of course he has a chance. It's boxing. Anything can happen. He wants to derail the plans of Wilder and Fury 2 that's supposed to be happening in February. But uh, to answer your question, he has a chance. But I just I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think a lot of people feel kind of the same way, that this is almost destined to be Wilder spectacularly. And, and you never know. I mean, we saw it with Andy Ruiz. Something can happen. Wilder's broken his hand in the past. That could, that could happen again. You don't know it's boxing, but that's what we believe uh, should happen. Uh, one more on the whole legacy of heavyweight champions. I've asked others this on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Let's get the greatest of all time boxing promotions guy, Antoine Williams, to weigh in. If Wilder wins, it's a 10th straight WBC heavyweight title defense, and that that starts putting him in a different category now with that many defenses, like a Lennox Lewis, like a Mike Tyson, like a Larry Holmes, and then you go all the way back to the greatest, Muhammad Ali, when you start talking about uh, 10 or more title defenses. Does Wilder belong in that conversation right now, or does he have to have more spectacular wins to belong against bigger names, the biggest names to belong in that conversation? What's your take? You know, I think I thought about that. I think uh, the time is now. I think Wilder fits right into that elite group, TJ. If you think about it, Wilder has a pretty good resume. I mean, he's beat some pretty good heavyweights, you know. Um, and, and more impressively than that is – he has the greatest KO percentage in the heavyweight division history. Think about it. You know, he ranks amongst some of the best up there, the foremans of the world. 
you know, the Ali's Tyson, of the world. You Tyson. Know, uh, Tyson's of the world. Joe, Fra- you know, Joe Frazier. Uh, you know, so some of those guys that could really, really crack. And I think that if he if he beats Ortiz, I think he ne- his next step should be trying to fight the winner of Joshua and uh, Andy Ruiz that's coming up here in December. I think he needs to go out there and fight the winner of that fight. That's that's the fight I think the public's going to demand for. Um, if he and if he he steamrolls those guys, the winner of that fight, yeah, you have to put him in there. There's no way about it. Deontay Wilder, he, he's undefeated. His only his only blemish on this record is a draw with Fury. So how can you keep him out of those conversations? He, he's a, he's an elite heavyweight. The guy has great character. He's very well spoken. Um, he's a he's a freaking phenomenon. He's very powerful. The only the only question about Deontay Wilder, let's be honest here, is can he get a little bit more help in his technical expertise inside of the inside of the four corners? You know, d- developing a little bit more strategic. If he fights someone that that has a little bit more boxing ability and he can't reach him with that dynamite right hand, you know, I, that's the only thing I would question about his his arsenal. TJ is his technical ability. Just brushing up on that a little bit more but other than that the guy's an absolute stud all right well we'll see what wilder can do with ortiz i want to let you promote what you're doing with greatest of all time boxing promotions you're based out of houston you're in dc you're looking at some fighters uh tell me tell me more about what's going on how are things uh promote away because i know fans are always interested in up-and-coming fighters and this man is always looking at up-and-coming fighters so give us a little more go ahead yeah, so, you know, we're out here in D.C. You know, boxing never dies, boxing never sleeps. It's a sweet science. So we're out here in D.C. I'm out here looking at some different fighters. I wanted to, you know, look at some different markets. Of course, as a boxing promoter, uh, we always have professional fighters coming from all over the world, not just Texas, which Texas has a great base in itself. So we're out here in D.C. We're checking out. I was at a boxing gym last night, you know, and I was talking with some professional fighters out there. Michael Easton, for one, who, who's a pretty good fighter. Um, 13 and 13 wins, six losses. Uh, looking at some of the other uh, undefeated uh, guys that that are just moving into to, to, to uh, light heavyweight. So we're just checking out DC. Of course, go boxing. We're we're still working on some things for the 2020 year. Nothing's been solidified yet. More to come. We're working on a big uh, another uh, sparring exhibition. Um, we're hoping to roll that out here by January. Uh, the, you know, being that the holidays are coming here in the next 30 days. So. So we're, we're, we're working on a lot of different great things. The sport of boxing has a, has, has a very big uh, green, you know, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, TJ. And we just want you guys to know that if you want to be a part of GOAT Boxing, all of our events, you can always follow us on Facebook, the GOAT Boxing Promotions. Check out our website, www.thegoatboxingpromotions.com. We're on Instagram. You can catch me on Instagram at boxingexpert33. If you want to know about how you be- can become a better boxer, reach out to us. You know, we have, uh, we have some of the best trainers here in Houston, uh, you know, with uh, Rene Vasquez. He's a great trainer. Um, so if you want to just get out there, get some more knowledge about the sport, if you're starting and you're green and you want to learn the sport, come on out. Give us a call. Give us a shout. Facebook, Instagram. Check out our website. Come on out and be a part of the sparring matches. And uh, other than that, I just want to say continue to, to support and check out Big Fight Weekend. You guys are doing an awesome job, TJ. I'm glad to be a part of all the, the different, you know, 
uh, podcast and everything, but you guys are doing an awesome job, and we're glad to be a part of it. Love it. Antoine Williams, greatest of all time, boxing promotions. i got to get out of here in a moment. You do as well. Give me an under-over. Does this fight see the the fifth round? Do you believe it goes seven or eight? Is it over quick? There's there's no way this is going 12, Wilder Ortiz. What, what's, the, what's the deal? Yeah, I'll give you a realistic uh, opinion on it. I think that it, I think it's a realistic opinion. The fight won't go twelve. Mark, mark, mark my words. Um, I'm going to say this fight will be over one way or another within ten rounds. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it went, you know, if it went eight rounds. But I think within ten rounds. And I've been going back and forth. I'm sure you want to know my opinion on on, on a, a decision on the fight. I'm going to go Wilder. I'm going to play it safe and say Wilder wins. I think Ortiz hit him with his best punch the last time and realized, oh my gosh, I couldn't get this guy out of there then. So what am I gonna what am I gonna do to 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 to, to land something this time? So I'm gonna say Wilder within eight rounds, TJ. Wilder by eight round knockout. How about that? All right. Antoine Williams, greatest of all time, boxing promotions. Love having him on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Look him up, the greatest of all time, boxingpromotions.com. Facebook as well with all the young fighters scouting the talent in, in the nation's capital in D.C. But he'll have eyes on Las Vegas, Nevada. We all will Saturday night for Wilder and Ortiz. Antoine, thank you for making time for me. I know you're busy. I know you're traveling. You made some time for me on the podcast. Thank you. Let's hope we get a good fight Saturday night. Oh, yeah, I can't wait, TJ. Thanks a lot for having me on. Wilder and Ortiz coming up Saturday night in Las Vegas. We look forward to that heavyweight title pay-per-view that will be happening the first of two heavyweight title showdowns with the other one coming December 7th between Andy Ruiz as now the champ against the challenger, Anthony Joshua, for the other versions of the heavyweight uh, championship. So we get two of them in the span of a couple of weekends. And to help me sort through it, He's always known for throwing the big punch himself. It is the boxing writer, David Payne, who is in England, in the UK. Love his insight. He's back on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. How are things, sir, as we, as we, uh, as I mentioned, approach two humongous heavyweight title bouts that could greatly shape what we look at and what we see in 2020? How are you feeling? I'm very good, TJ. Thanks for the call. I don't think... Um ever been described as a big puncher with a street <laughs> fighting a street fighting record of one draw one defeat uh but yes thanks for the intro very excited about both fights looking forward to chatting about them um should be fun this weekend certainly all right so we've been mixing it up and talking about this matchup and anticipating this rematch with the bronze bomber and king kong uh, it was a wild fight the first time around. I'll, I'll ask it kind of in a general sense. A lot of times we build up rematches and we get let down. Do you have a sense as we approach Saturday night that this one is going to live up to what the first one was, or might we be about to get let down again where the fight is not as good for whatever reason? What's your What's your thought? Well, yeah, boxing history tends to suggest that outcomes t- tend to be a repeat of the first one, uh, often more emphatically, quicker. Um, as though the spirit of the of the loser in the first one is forever broken in a, in any rematch, um, but I think there's enough I think there's enough uh, still factors in play here for there to be breakthroughs and therefore some entertainment to be had. Obviously, we're widely uh, it's widely anticipated that Wilder will be victorious, having been victorious the first time in a in a pulsating fight. Um, but I don't think he can eradicate the flaws that he has in his game or the opportunities that he offers to other fighters, particularly ones as crafty and as 
as uh, experienced and wise as Ortiz is. Um, so I think there will be opportunities for both in the sense that Ortiz will be able to find Wilder, I think, and land punches. And we've seen that over the duration of a longer fight at a good pace, then Ortiz can struggle to keep up uh, towards the championship rounds. And Wilder has got that knockout power deep into fight. So I still think there's there's plenty of potential for this to be another entertaining bout. But similarly, I also think it's entirely plausible that they may be both be a little bit more cautious. There's a lot at stake here. They both know they made mistakes in the last fight and they may not be quite as um, aggressive uh, this time around. It, it could be a little bit more cautious, which would be uh, counterintuitive for Wilder and, and run against the grain of most people's opinion. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's a little slower starting this time um, than it was the last time. I'll drop the name here, Mark Breland, that we already had on the podcast, the former world welterweight champion. He's in the corner for Wilder. He is saying now as we head towards the weekend, they've seen Ortiz and Ortiz appears to be lighter. And Breland says immediately that tells me he's in better shape. He's not going to fatigue as easily. So I don't know what we make of that, but that's just well, what Breland's thought was. What's your thought? Well, I think I think that's interesting. And I think um, I do hope that Ortiz is in career best shape. There's a lot of um, kind of jokes and snide remarks about Ortiz's age, um, but yet no one's ever come up with any evidence that he isn't the 40 that he says he is. So I think we ought to perhaps rise above that a little bit. Um, it's unlikely he's, he, he can recapture anything. So as long as he's the best he can be at this point, that's all we can ask for. But of course, we also shouldn't be fooled by weights and aesthetics. We'll, we, we've all read the stories, or some of us are old enough to recall um, Muhammad Ali being at career best weights and back to his prime weights when he fought Larry Holmes and we all know how that finished so we shouldn't be deceived by numbers necessarily or an aesthetic um, but what we do know about Ortiz is he's got fantastic grounding good skills he posed Wilder all sorts of problems so if he's the equivalent of that or maybe in slightly better um, aerobic shape then Wilder is in for a for a tough contest, and and uh, that will make for for good entertainment for the rest of us. Uh, love this man's insight, David Payne, going all the way back to Ali and uh, and Holmes and that time period. Ali was obviously older, and I know I know what you meant by what you said, and had been through a lot of different uh, wars. But it's a great reminder that that sometimes uh, father time just catches up to you, and it's over. And and Ortiz is the older fighter. And maybe that's what's going to happen. That's part of the intrigue for Saturday night, where it's obvious Father Time has caught up to him uh, because he hasn't exactly been a, a very active fighter over the course of the last year and a half since he fought Wilder. We don't know. We don't, we don't know what he looks like, no, but he's, he's definitely he's the older been, guy. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the older guy. He can't, he can't, he can't physically be. It's a difficult one because there's a contradiction in what I'm going to be saying, but. It, a guy at 40 shouldn't be better than a, the, the same fight it was at 38, of course. Um, it depends what kind of condition he was in the first time, I guess. But um, I am an advocate of guys getting out of boxing earlier rather than later. So I, I can't dismiss the fact that this, this chap is 40. And I've said many times before that fighters can get old overnight. And he's certainly in the age bracket where that could happen. Um, as we mentioned, Ali was older than Ali was versus Holmes older than Joe Louis was versus Marciona, and they were very much washed-up versions. But he has had three low-key fights, so it's not that he's not been 
training. He's not been in camp, so he's gone through the process three times in the meantime since he fought Wilder. So the, the, there is the structure there for him to be in decent shape. And um, I suppose, like all things, we'll find out once the bell goes. Um, but certainly the fact he's a little lighter and looking a little leaner gives us encouragement to think that he can be at least as good as he was the first time around. All right, another one I love setting you up with with these uh, because they're they're good food for thought. They're good for the tactics. I, I guess uh, an argument can be made. It's a legitimate point. Wilder had the the wild fight, no pun intended, with Tyson Fury last December. Uh, dramatic goes the twelve rounds. Okay, since then he's fought half of one round where he knocked the guy out with one punch. Dominic Brazil. It was a tremendously exciting moment. But it's half of one round, basically, in the last eleven months. Is that concerning at this point? That he hasn't he hasn't had a whole lot since uh, since the Fury fight. Is that a concern? Am I making too much out of it? Um, I think it plays into what would be my overriding concern if I was in the Deontay Wilder business, as the saying goes. Is that um, whilst he isn't quite the wild novice that we've often painted him as he there there is a bit more uh, guile to what he does um in some situations but we saw him discourage versus tyson fury we saw him run out of ideas we saw in the ortiz fight that um he didn't really change tactic as such he, he, he didn't find new punches new angles he just kept persevering and then finally caught him with something um I'd like to see Wilder add something to his game. I don't imagine we will at 34 years of age at his 42nd contest. Um, but it'd be nice to see an uppercut thrown occasionally or a jab with some um, some leverage on it because um, everything really is just pouring to try and find space to put the big right hand in. And when you've got a big right hand like he's got, mm. I suppose you have to say fair enough. But there's, there's not a lot of variety. There's not a lot of... Um, disguise there's not a lot to fool anyone and if it doesn't work he'll just keep trying to do the same thing again and again and again and so far obviously it's always worked out for him um but he could have easily have a loss in his record against fury and ortiz in that seventh round was only really one full-blooded punch away from knocking him out um, which doesn't mean wilder is um without credibility we can't write off what he's sure. done etc but he certainly gives everybody he fights an opportunity, um, certainly guys who can hold a decent shot and have got some skills of their own. And that, that would be my issue for him, that it's all about that big right hand. It really is, comes down to that and that alone. We do we do love the discussions and the back and forth because the argument can be made. Tyson Fury was half a beat from being knocked out in the 12th Absolutely. round when he got up. Yep. There's no doubt. And Luis Ortiz hit him and hit him hard and didn't knock him down and then got knocked out. So yep. we, sh- we shall see. And that's what the rematch part of this is all about. Another fun one kind of as the, as the big picture thing. I've been asking uh, a lot of the other guests that are here want the opinion of the boxing writer. If Wilder wins... It's a 10th consecutive defense of the WBC belt. So now now we start going into the conversation of guys that have done it 10 times uh, in a row. Somebody like a Lennox Lewis, somebody like a Mike Tyson that, that lost on the 11th defense. He defended it 11 times in a row or 10 times in a row. And I believe the last four were the undisputed uh, championship. Ali, obviously, Larry Holmes had more than 10 defenses in a row. Where does Wilder belong here at the moment? Is it an incomplete answer? Where does he belong if he gets to 10 successful title defenses like most of us believe that he will? Um, Well, it might be a flippant remark to make, um, but he's a million miles from those guys, in my opinion. Um, Nowhere near them. Um, 
which may seem harsh on him because the numbers obviously begin are beginning to stack up now on his behalf. Um, but it is only a portion of the title, and for a large portion of the time that he's held that WBC belt, despite the history attached to it, uh, he wasn't regarded as the number one in the division, nor did his resume pretty much include anyone in the top, well, you could say 10 for a long time, but certainly in top five. It's only in Ortiz and in Fury that he's had competition at, I would say, that stands scrutiny. You could make an argument about Stavern, perhaps, and I know you'll immediately come back to me about some of the guys he wanted to fight but couldn't because they failed drugs tests, etc. Which I suppose, <laughs> but ultimately, it's only about what you put in the book, isn't it? Um, and at the moment, and I would in say fairness, he's, he's a long way. And in fairness, I'll interject: the guy over in your part of the world avoided him for a long time and got knocked out by a journeyman in Andy Ruiz. So he's an incomplete, absolutely, at the moment. And the argument right now about who's the best, I think, begins with the guy who's the main event headliner on Saturday night because he ain't been knocked out yet we'll see just differences no, of opinion we'll, well see I was, well, I, well absolutely and but you didn't ask me to compare him to joshua correct to yes compare him to lewis and holmes and people of that ilk so to my mind he's a long way short of that and he's and he's i think that's fair I, I think until i think until you beat other great fighters um and, and i guess it's an incomplete answer until we see him again even after ortiz in the ring with fury again and beat him and if and when Joshua wins in two weeks, we see them in the ring. God help us, hopefully in the next uh, year or two, if that if that is the case, and he beats him, then it's a different discussion. And I think that's uh, that's also what you're referring to. we got to see him beat the very best, and then it's a different discussion, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we can look back into the very recent past and look at Vladimir Klitschko, who had I think, 25 title fights or championship defences or whatever it was the statistic bores me but I'll bring it up um, but no one would put well I certainly wouldn't put him in the conversation with a Larry Holmes or a Lennox Lewis in their prime if they were to face each other nor the, cre- the credibility of the opponents they faced however sometimes we romanticise the past two TJ, yep. and I may be guilty of that. We can look back to... Well, Lillian I would say... We, I, I promised you... the names there either. Sure, I promised you that we wouldn't go too much on the historical perspective before we <laughs> began. We but but uh, let's just uh, bring it in for the fans that maybe remember that are a little older. When Holmes defeated Ali, the next big one was Cooney, obviously, in the chronology, and he beat Cooney. And then after that, there's a lot of nondescript. There's a lot of nondescript, kind of like what you're talking about with Wilder defenses, etc., um, until he got to Michael Spinks later in the 1980s and got upset at that point. So, uh, yes, there were a lot of title defense wins. He gets credit for defending it, for scoring some knockouts, for scoring some decision wins. But it was a lot of nondescript for Larry Holmes, was it not, in the in the early to mid-1980s? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um we probably didn't ought to get bogged down in this, but if I if I phrase yeah. it another way, um, would you take someone who was at, probably outside any consensus top ten? Would you take Kenny Norton to beat him? I would. Would I take Tim Witherspoon at his best to beat him? Probably. Ooh. So it's it's you know. And I, I clearly, know someone's going to pull, and cl- pull up Witherspoon losing in a round, but we all know what the reason why that happened. But I'm just plucking a name from a second third tier guy that I think would probably beat him. So. You know, I, I I can't put Wilder anywhere near those top guys. But if you know he wins an Ortiz rematch, he beats Fury, and then goes on to beat a Joshua or a Ruiz or whoever is the next thing coming along, then you'd have to start making that case because they would be very very credible wins. 
No doubt about that. And and uh, there's no doubt Larry Holmes is a more polished fighter than Deontay Wilder. Nobody's going to argue that. I'm not going to argue that. He had a great left hand, footwork, tremendous right behind it. Uh, the epic win over Ken Norton was a was a test of uh, of will in the uh, in the fifteenth round, especially when they were bombing each other. So yeah, no no one is going to put Deontay Wilder in a tactical category with a fighter like that, or like Lennox Lewis even, or even Tyson uh, with the head movement and the combination punching. So it's just interesting how it's uh, how it's all evolved. David Payne with me. I love the back and forth uh, with the boxing writer here for a few more moments. All right, before I get to a Wilder prediction in a moment, this is not the only fight of the weekend. This is why we love having you on in the UK in Liverpool. Uh, it is Callum Smith, 168-pound WBO champ. Uh, in action. Uh, John Ryder is the opponent. I must confess, I don't know a lot about the opponent. It's a big night for Callum Smith, a homecoming. He's from Liverpool. Tell me more about this matchup and how likely with a good win, a spectacular win, does Callum Smith get in the conversation for a bigger fight in 2020 because of it? Well, I've got, I'm, I'm not in the PR business for Callum Smith, but I think in your opening comments, without wishing to um, offend you in any way, that, that is a perfect summary of why we've got a problem with Callum Smith. Because firstly, he described him as a WBO champion when he's WBA and WBC champion. My bad. But, I know, but TJ, it's, it's not a criticism of you. This is the PR problem that Callum Smith seems to have. He's a unified champion. He won the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, to, to claim that, he, was, um, he beat George Groves, a very good champion to do so. He's the number one in the division. And Canelo Alvarez, when he went through the super middleweight division, won a regular version of the WBA title. Let's not get sidetracked by that. But he didn't beat the WBA champion because that is Callum Smith. He's a dominant force in that division, which is a bit light on competition right now. And he should be a bigger star than he is. And he certainly should perhaps be on a bigger platform, be more known in the States than he is. And that's a promotional PR issue that he's got. And there has been some grumblings within the camp about the job that Matchroom, Eddie Hearn, have done for him in the last 12 to 18 months uh, since he had that victory So against George Groves. So this is a big fight because uh, it's back in Liverpool. He's got a domestic opponent who he's expected to beat because he should be naturally bigger than. John Ryder is a very good fighter, very physical fighter, and one at 31 who's improved it seemingly dramatically over the last couple of years and has had a decent run of form himself, but it's one Callum Smith would be anticipate coming through, and then he really will be demanding a high-profile opponent, whether that means moving to light heavyweight to make that happen, and um, Callum is a huge super middleweight. Um, I think he stands over six feet tall, um, so he would be six foot three, in fact. Sorry, just ch- fact checking as I speak. Um, so he's a, he's, a, he's a giant at super middleweight, and he would still be a pretty ominous sight at light heavyweight too. And obviously, that would seem to be with Canelo there, where the money is, unless of course someone was coming up from middleweight as a stopgap, like a Golovkin, etc., to try and make the transition to Canelo's new weight if he is to stay there. So he should have options, and he should be in those conversations. Um, more readily than he is. Um, so I'm hoping that we can see a bit of a statement on Saturday night from Callum and catch a few more fans in the, in, the, in America that become a bit more aware of his capabilities as well as his the belts that he has in that division and a bit of a misnomer and missell that uh, the uh, Canelo people are now doing about him being a four-weight champion when in truth he didn't really win anything in the uh, super middleweight division because Callum Smith got, got the baubles that matter. 
about that. I like the fact check on me. Although one of them's the diamond belt. I never knew about the diamond, and then we got the super and the regular and the franchise and. Uh, try, it, it, it does. Your eyes the, do glaze he's over. The, he's the man at that division. Those whatever the whatever different um, or those belts have been struck from, they are the ones that count. He's the number one in that division. In the same way that Usyk was when he won the cruiserweight, Callum Smith's done the same thing at super middleweight and should be recognised as such. So, uh, hopefully, that recognition will spread and he will uh, he will get the the credit he deserves and the big fight that he deserved. He's, he's one of he comes from a football city, Liverpool. Even American fans will probably know that right. these days with branding that's going on. So he's hopeful if he's not going to be in a big Vegas or a New York fight of having a stadium fight in the summer at Liverpool. That would be his big dream. So um, that would be what they'll be chomping at the bit to get if he's successful on Saturday. So and, we, and it, David, it, it, it uh, a name worth keeping in, in mind. Sure, don't mean to interrupt. David, John Ryder, a scale of one to ten, zero, no chance, ten, he's got a great, the greatest chance. What chance does he have and how against Callum Smith? Um, well, it, he comes into it as a southpaw. He comes into it on good form, um, but he's lost a split decision to Rocky Field in two, two and a half years ago. Um, but against lower-key opponents, he's looked very compact, very organised, looks like he's punching harder than he used to. Uh, I don't know why that is, but there just seems to be an improvement, as a solidity in his punches. And he will be very game, and he'll be very entertaining. He will probably be outmatched um, I think for size and reach, so it's going to be difficult for him. Um, so, providing Colin Smith has done the weight effectively and isn't in any way drained and um, and keeps his his tactics together, etc., he should win um, because he's a he's a heavy-handed guy. He's not a knock you unconscious kind of guy, but he's a kind of thudding puncher that gets the job done. Um, so Ryder is up against it, but I think what he will give, he'll give an entertaining account of himself. So it, sh- it should be a good fight as as long as it lasts, and he will certainly not uh, give up easily. All right, so there you go for that main event, Matchroom Boxing Show, Sky Sports in the UK. The United States will have it on DAZN in the afternoon U.S. time, in the evening uh, England time, and then obviously late night for you. Uh, late, late, middle of the night for you. And uh, late night for us in the United States is Wilder and Ortiz. I circle back to a prediction uh, from you in the rematch. Again, we saw him destroy Stavern in the rematch in one round. Are you giving this a few rounds? What kind of shot do you have this to go uh, numerous rounds and maybe even the distance? I don't think I don't think anybody really believes it's going 12. Uh, as I joked earlier in the podcast, Ortiz himself said through the interpreter on Wednesday, it's not going 12. Somebody's getting knocked out. So that be, that being said, what does the boxing writer think about how this ends up, Wilder and Ortiz? Uh, well, you found someone who thinks it could. So that, that, that I don't think it's impossible. I know it's a unlikely proposition all, all all factors point towards a knockout but um i i could foresee this ending up at points despite perhaps a knockdown or two it's but i think it's i think it's possible i think second half of the fight a wilder knockout would be my prediction if i was laying money but i think it's six to one for it to go to points for a wilder win on points which it seems a very unlikely outcome, I know, but I just have this small inclination, which obviously was going to mean he's going to knock him out in the first minute and I'll look like a fool. But, um, I just have this inclination that if Ortiz's engine is a little better and he's a little cuter, um, he could certainly get beyond midway and then, who knows, we may end up at a points 
with perhaps perhaps a knockdown or two on the way. But if uh, if you're asking me to put money on it, then I'll go second half of the fight, similar outcome to the to the first fight, a wilder win in the second half of the fight. All right. And again, this man uh, writes not only for his own site, boxingwriter.co.uk, but he's also written a gambling preview. Uh, if you're inclined on wagering on Wilder Ortiz 2, gambling.com. Uh, we, we've linked that off of social media. Then go to gambling.com and look under the boxing section and look under the Wilder Ortiz where you kind of wrote a little preview on laying it out. Uh, and we'll see if it does end in a knockout and end quickly, or will it go on? Will there be some drama? Will there be some intrigue? I always love mixing it up with you, back and forth on uh, on different things. And the fact that you keep me straight, uh, I, I love it when I get these messages. Stop calling Pulev a Russian. He's a he's a Bulgarian. <laughs> I love it when I get the messages. I got the boxing writer to keep me in line. Somebody's got to keep me in line, David. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it was only to make the wider point that Callum Smith's achievements are not as well known. I wouldn't dream of just... Pulling you up on live on air, so to speak, but um, it, it just helped to make the point, really. About All right, I think you, I think you made your point, and uh, and it's a good one. And let's hope that the rematch of Wilder and Ortiz is a good one. We'll see if Callum Smith is a good one earlier in the day against John Ryder uh, in that one. Uh, as you like to say, I fancy Santa Cruz Flores on the undercard as oh, a yeah. big volume punching featherweight showdown. We got some good action this weekend, boxing writer. I'm looking forward to it, David Payne. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, Wilder Ortiz fight, but yeah, you're right about that Santa Cruz. It'd be interesting to see what um, Santa Cruz has got left at this stage because uh, who knows? We we may have a, Fram- a third Frampton fight at some point in the future. You never know. And they're uh, both looking for cash out money, I would think. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's got left at this stage of his career. Should be a good fight, that one. We know what this guy's got left. He's the boxing writer on Twitter, the boxing writer, and also boxingwriter.co.uk. David Payne, thank you. Enjoy the fights this weekend uh, you too tj season yes indeed it will be wilder and ortiz fox pay-per-view saturday night saturday night late mgm grand garden arena in las vegas look forward to seeing what's going to happen in this rematch look forward to the conversation we have saved one of the best for last i always love him to close the podcast here on big fight weekend senior writer purveyor overseer the guy that keeps me straight with everything that goes on on bigfightweekend.com marquise john's back on the podcast let's dig right in are you digging the rematch here wilder ortiz are you are you amped about this or just kind of eh about this for saturday night sir franchise host tj thanks for having me on as always my man and also with this with this rematch I'm, i've gotten i've softened up on it tj i wrote on the, on, at bigfightweekend.com months ago that i had zero interest in this fight whatsoever i mean don't get me wrong tj 69.95 is not exactly the softest selling point either but this card itself from the top end of it is not bad now and i can get with that the actual rematch with wilder and ortiz eh, i mean it is it I, I, it's funny, TJ. We were mentioning earlier in the year how these heavyweights needed something to do in terms of fight competition. Fury took the easy route with a guy we haven't heard from since, and Tom Suarez and Otto Valin. Anthony Joshua pretty much got knocked out by Andrew. Oh Luis. yeah, right. And, and now we have well, Wilder on his end of it facing. Well, he had a mandatory against Dominic Brazil, who which which has one of the greatest calls from the year from Marlon Ronaldo, where he said he got hit to Brazil, and now he's taking on Luis Ortiz here for the second go round. It's interesting because with Ortiz, we all saw the video of this man. For a man who is re- uh, reportedly at 40 years old, look, give or take, TJ, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume he's 40. 
in this great shape of his life, apparently, for this fight in this rematch, because he's he's on a mission for revenge. And they both said on, on both on several occasions, this fight's not going to go twelve rounds. So <laughs> if if if, it's, if if anything else, TJ, for seventy bucks, I mean, I can't sell seventy bucks to anybody on that. But if someone's been knocked out, I'm all in for that. Especially with the big guys, uh, we were making reference before you came on much much earlier. Mark Breland said to us. Uh, being around him at the press conference on Wednesday in particular, he looks thinner. He looks like he's in better shape. Do you read anything into Breland saying that to us? Does that indicate that that Ortiz may be a better Ortiz than the fight 18 months ago? If anything else, TJ, this will make up for a more closer fight. The one thing that Ortiz was doing that got too wilder, of course, in the seventh round, of course, where he, he actually buzzed him, is that Ortiz was boxing Wilder a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how Wilder, who, who did, who's not known for throwing a jab, as we all know, he just throws the right and people fall down. That's just the way it works. It, but when he faced Brazil in that very brief moment for that one round of 98 seconds that he was in the ring with him, he threw a jab a couple of times out. We'll, we'll see if Wilder can keep continue boxing out of all things before he drops the right and sends everybody to the canvas. Well, and I was asking just before you came on, David Payne, this same question I'm about to ask you. So he had the tremendous battle with Fury December a year ago in Los Angeles. Since then, as you made reference, he's basically fought about two total minutes uh, and it was one big punch. And that's it. So aren't there some question marks in 2019 we're talking about? So aren't there some question marks here about Wilder? Because it's not like he got a lot of work in in that Brazil fight. It was spectacular, yes. But this is this is now six months after that. He's had one round in the last 11 months. Is that a concern, Marquise? It is for Wilder because he hasn't had any, had any he hasn't gotten any rounds, as they say, in the business. What I'm looking forward to with Wilder, in the event that this does go longer than expected, I don't think it will personally in terms of if if Ortiz can avoid getting hit with that right. If Wilder can somehow keep fighting top competition, because that's been the lead, the, one of the few lead-ups to this fight that people have been mentioning how Luis Ortiz, despite being his age, despite the shape he's in right now, which is impressive nonetheless, but he is 40 years old, and he's going to win off of Stavern, I mean, who was on his way out as well. With, with Wilder, he is facing the at, – at, in terms of the heavyweight division, the, the best that they have available at this point. Granted, it's because Ortiz, let's be honest, he earlier this year against Joshua had a chance at that fight, and pretty much his whole camp kind of punted it away. But as a makeup, or as Deontay Wilder is calling it, a second blessing, <laughs> he's getting this rematch for a payday. And it's weird because Wilder is talking as if this is his retirement fight, how he's going to pretty much put him out of his business. At one point, he said, knock this old ass out. I mean, that's always fun to hear. So with Wilder saying all of that, in his 10th title defense, this will be the one of the bigger ones on his on his, on the ledger. And But he mentioned beforehand as well, TJ, that I thought was interesting during one of the media calls as well. Is that he wants to be? He wants to be remembered as one of the greats. And in order to be the greats, TJ, as you know, you have to fight the greats. I right. think this is him slowly realizing this as he's getting older. And you know, you can only beat up on Arthur Spilka so many times, and the uh, <laughs> Brazil's of the world before you okay. get to face. You know, <laughs> I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm going to interject Go because again, David Payne and I kind of went round and round a little bit back and forth about this. I'm going to defend uh-huh. him to this extent. Uh, I'll elaborate a little bit on what I didn't say uh, there with David. Uh, he wanted to go fight Alexander Povetkin back like two and a half, three years ago. He he had flown to Russia the week of the fight, was agreeing to go fight Povetkin in Russia, kind of like Rocky Drago style, and yes. Povetkin flunked the drug test. 
So that's not really his fault. That's not a- his fault. Again, again, we can't emphasize enough. I know we're in the United States, and I know Anthony Joshua was a big deal in the UK, but Joshua, Eddie Hearn, and Matchroom were ducking a DeAndre Wild- uh, Deontay Wilder fight excuse me, for the better part of a year, more than a year. They were ducking a fight that Wilder very much wanted. They can hide behind it wasn't enough money, blah, blah. They were ducking the fight. And now Joshua goes and gets himself beat uh, by by a guy who, let's be honest, is uh, had never won really a significant fight, is a big question mark himself, and he beat Joshua. So at this point, I think everything revolves around Deontay Wilder and Saturday night, much like the Brazil fight. He put the big bomb on Brazil two weeks before Ruiz pulled the upset. And now, two weeks before their rematch, if he does something spectacular, Marquise, that puts the big pressure on on Joshua not just to win, but to be spectacular in doing it. And I think it further puts the pressure on Joshua. you got to come fight Deontay Wilder if you want to call yourself the best, whether you beat Ruiz or not. I've said my piece, your thought on all of that that I just said. No, I understand what you're saying with Wilder being one of the top ones. And actually, it's interesting that they, I forgot about Joshua and Hearn. They were ducking Wilder for about two years on that, even to the point where they even offered Wilder the whole give or take. I, I'm, I'm still on, on the, the skeptical side of where I hear that, you know, that Deontay Wilder $100 million deal with the zone. I just don't believe parts of it. I mean, because as you know, TJ, they, they, they throw these numbers out there to, to mislead everybody. Let's be honest, because no one can relate to any of these numbers. It can be a hundred right. million. It can be seven million. Yeah, I, I can't relate. So I, that, that's just the way it is with public perception. With Wilder beating Ortiz, it would actually currently make him top three. With Josh, there's something you mentioned that Wilder has a chance to steal the show again, and he may ha- just do that once again because he did this earlier in the year when, because it was Fury versus at the time it was Fury versus Suarez, and that was you know right expected, and then we then. Joshua got beat by Luis in the upset of, of, of a more recent memory. And now he has to come back and actually rematch Luis in Saudi Arabia. And that, that's going to be a spectacle as well. And that card is shaping up actually to be pretty solid, TJ. I will admit. Grant, I don't like the fact that it's in Saudi Arabia like most Americans do. But that card is shaping to be pretty interesting. And it's, that's, going, that's going to essentially change the landscape of 2020 in terms of heavyweights. with the, Who has the belts in terms of if it's going to be Luis or Joshua. Hopefully, we'll have a clear defendant winner on that. Not it'd be like a split draw or a majority draw, and they got they got to rerun it back again, and that just delays the process. All right. But to answer your yeah, to answer ahead. your question about Wilder not having enough competition, Pavekin wasn't his fault. I will admit, and it's just wondering with Wilder. Now I'll throw this at you with this as well, because now now I'm legitimately thinking about this. Say Wilder gets past Ortiz, like many are expecting to do. I think he's a I want to say a fourteen to two, fa- like he's a he's a huge favorite in this fight as as everyone's expecting. He beats Fury in the rematch. In the bizarre situation that the belts aren't available out of that Joshua Louise match, what's left for him is my question. I'm going to throw you only because well, I'm thinking. I think, I think at this point, belts or no belts. The goal yeah. would be fight the winner of Ruiz Joshua at some point in 2020, probably the fall, if not the winter of 2020. And and look, if he is spectacular Saturday Night Wilder, back to the same point, and yes. he goes ahead and beats Fury, at, the, at that point, the Joshua Ruiz winner's biggest fight is Deontay Wilder. We agree on that, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the one that has to get made. 
um, for credibility's sake. Anthony Joshua can't run around fighting uh, Dillian White and Derek Chisora or maybe Alexander Usyk and have that be the same thing as fight the guy that's knocking everybody out, still has a WBC belt, beats Ortiz again, beats Fury again. I think the the public, uh, in particular the American public, will just grow weary of this. Uh, if if it's Joshua avoiding him. Now, if Ruiz wins, Ruiz is absolutely going to sign up for what would be an even more massive payday to fight Wilder, and they're both PBC fighters. So we know that. We agree on that, right? That's a, that's a lock, yeah. It is interesting with Joshua. If Joshua somehow be, uh, beats Ruiz, and, and it, it's, it's clear-cut, I think Joshua, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to this because his fight was just not that memorable. They're all going to have to go after Pulev and just get that nonsense out the way for that IBF mandatory just to keep it moving. Or just let that belt go because, you know, I, if the one belt that they know people will strip of everybody is the IBF out of all of them. That WBO belt, not, 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 not to be honest, TJ, the PBC that may not recognize it, neither do a lot of other organizations as well. And, when, and with Usyk also, who knows if Usyk legitimately is ready? Granted, he's the right. mandatory, but is he ready? I mean, he, he had to get for some conditioning issues with uh, a guy who pretty much got tired the week of in <laughs> Chaz Witherspoon. So right, he's had we'll one heavyweight fight. It's against a 38-year-old washed-up American fighter <laughs> that didn't have a whole lot in the tank. And I don't know what that proves. I don't know that. I don't know how that makes you the number one contender in a heavyweight division and a heavyweight classification. So Usyk does have something to prove. I, I would agree with you. Marquise Johns is with me, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. We got to get out of here shortly. Uh, David Payne was talking about Callum Smith headlining. Uh, the the uh, matchroom boxing show Sky Sports uh, pay-per-view. DAZN will show it in the United States Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night, U.K. time in Liverpool, England. Callum Smith, 168-pound champion. As David corrected me, he's got the WBA belt. He's got the WBC diamond belt, uh, the oh, ring boy. championship. He won the World Boxing Super Series. And even David said, I don't know that John Ryder is going to give him much of a fight in this one on Saturday night. Do you agree with that, that this is probably Callum Smith easily and maybe even by big knockout? Yeah, this is going to be Smith, honestly, TJ, an easy work. Uh, This is one of those mandatory fights to give give Callum Smith something to do. And hopefully once he gets past this, as you may have guessed, at 168, he's one of 800,000 names that is in the Canelo sweepstakes (laughs) at some point next year to fight. So we'll see if that happens. He's he's mentioned on several occasions he wanted Billy Joe Saunders – uh, at the way he looked in that last fight on the Canelo card, I think everybody wants Billy Joe Saunders. So we'll see how that works out. But no, with this one, th- that fight, that, that match from card this Saturday out, out in Liverpool is pretty much that fight. There's also uh, also a prospect, super welterweight, uh, Anthony Fowler is up and coming. He's going to be interesting to watch. But outside of that, that card's just there to have something to do. Out, out, and out, also, out uh, we should make mention that on the uh, Wilder undercard, Leo Santa Cruz, Miguel Flores, I wrote about them earlier in the weekend, vacant uh, WBA Junior Lightweight Championship that is going to be on the line. Santa Cruz going for a fourth world title in four divisions. This fight was supposed to happen back in February of this year, but Flores injured an ankle. Santa Cruz fought a different opponent and beat him by decision. Uh, th- this is going to be volume punching. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I Just from the standpoint of it's not going to be dull. It's not going to be guys dancing around and not throwing punches. That's going to be a good co-feature on the Fox pay-per-view before Wilder Ortiz, right? Absolutely. And actually, that, that's the fight I was looking forward to actually on this pay-per-view card. It's funny, TJ, that this, 
For those who haven't gotten a chance to get to this card, uh, playing seats available, by the way. Uh, VividSeats.com. Use the promo code yep. BigFight10. You can get you yep. a ticket. Yep. Absolutely. And because this fight, TJ, as you know, it's a Fox pay-per-view. Uh, the, the the four fights will be broadcast are going to be pretty solid. But this is a 14-fight card as of this recording, by the way, wow. out in Vegas. Is what, is what as we joke, what are they does. starting with breakfast? Are they starting at like 9.30 a.m. local time in Vegas just to I, get all the fights in on a 14-fight card? Good God. I, think, I kid you not, TJ. You can get brunch and boxing on this card <laughs> starting Saturday afternoon. It's ridiculous with that. But you, on the undercard, which I think is being – it is going to be streamed on PBC's uh, YouTube card. Uh, Dante's younger brother, Marcel, is fighting in action. That's going to be one of the earlier things on there in action. But back to Leo Santa Cruz, Miguel Flores, that's going to be the one – one fight I think that is going to be probably much the most volume punching on this whole entire card because of the way Santa Cruz is frozen and gets down with the way he fights. The one thing I'm looking for with Santa Cruz is where does he go from here? At some point, they're going to have to find somebody for him. They even, I mean, they they they, threw, they kind of threw that out maybe there earlier. Fran- the- maybe Frampton in a third fight, Carl Frampton in a third fight. I don't know. Uh, even even Frampton, even, they even joked even like two months ago how uh, Gary Russell Jr. out of all people uh, ambushed his dad at a barbershop. <laughs> so they're trying to find they, – they have to find somebody okay. for Santa Cruz next let's, year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Let's see in that one. And also a DAZN show, Marquise, that's going on in California. Uh, Andrew Cancio, Rene Alvarado, junior lightweight belt uh, is on the line. And uh, this this fight card has that fight, and then it it was to have Avery Sparrow, who was the fighter in the junior lightweight division that was arrested by the feds, by the U.S. Marshals, <laughs> prior to his fight uh, back with Avery Garcia, or I'm sorry, with Ryan Garcia. Avery Sparrow and Ryan Garcia were supposed to fight in September. Sparrow got arrested by the feds on a Philadelphia warrant, a Pennsylvania warrant, and taken into custody. Well, Sparrow was back, got his court stuff resolved, was back in California, but now he's no longer fighting. We got late-breaking word that Sparrow is out of this DAZN show. What, what's up, Marquise? Yeah, TJ, it's, uh, Sparrow's over 2 on these Golden Boy cards so far. He had pretty much been caught with dehydration, so he's medically not cleared to fight in this card this weekend, which actually kind of stings out. Kind of Did I see hospitalized? He was hospitalized for dehydration hospitalized on Thursday, for- right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly what happened, and it's kind of sad on that. I hope he's all right with that. But you, you know, usually when you're dehydrated, TJ, you know, you're trying trying to cut weight and make weight right. to avoid any issues or any any purse penalties because you don't want any money out of your pocket more so than anything else. And having a hospital bill is not going to help the cause. Wow. But the main event, but the main event of this fight, uh, for those who don't feel like paying the, the uh, pay per view charge and have the zone that already paying that. Uh, Andrew Cancio is uh, rematching his fight with Rene Alvarado from their, their fight back in 2015. Cancio won that one back then, TJ, with eighth round knockout back in 2015. It, we'll see if that's going to be more the same with him and Cancio. The one thing with him at 130, we'll see if he gets someone in. A, he's trying to unify like everyone else at 130 this, at next go around. We'll see who he has to choose from next year because originally he, he was joking with Jamel Herring about uh, facing him next next year at some point. That's probably being pushed by the wayside because Carl Frampton is being mentioned for a St. Patrick's Day card, which may be a big, big deal if that right. happens out in both in their native New York. So we'll see how that happens. And the rest of them at 130, I'm, we'll just we'll see what happens. If you can, it won't be Tevin Farmer, maybe. We'll probably not. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> All right. So that's the zone show that's going on as well. Lots of fights everywhere, as I love to promote. Marquise Johns writing about it in advance. While it's happening and afterwards on BigFightWeekend.com, you need to follow this man 
at Weak Sauce Radio. Love the Twitter handle. We make mention of it every time on the podcast. <laughs> Phenomenal Twitter handle, Weak Sauce Radio. Follow him because you're going to be firing away, tweeting, live tweeting, blogging away, if you will, on the fights that are going to be on Friday, as well as the undercard fights on all of these shows Saturday, including the Wilder Ortiz pay-per-view, right? Absolutely, TJ. WeeksauceRadio.com is the Twitter handle. Still my favorite lineal pound-for-pound Twitter handle championship. I'm, I'm putting it on the line every time I get a chance to, TJ. I haven't had any challenges yet. I'm, I'm looking for that mandatory. But I'll be live-tweeting during these fights. Looking forward to these fights going on this weekend. Also, the ones early on in Saturday on the ESPN. If you have the ESPN Plus app, there's a weird Dubai card that's going to be in, with Jack Coutrell. That's going to be interesting at 10 a.m. if you don't have to work. Uh, also, the MTK Global contract uh, for Super Flyweights at 140 is going on. The name in the match to look for on that, uh, TJ, there's like seven fights going on in there for the quarterfinals. O'Hara Davies and Logan Yoon. Uh, Logan Yoon's been my pick to win this whole thing, personally, off the record. And he's fighting O'Hara Davies, who's pretty much been like their, so, their pseudo-villain who's changed his ways in time for the fight, TJ. You know how that usually plays out. <laughs> so that's going to be the main event on that MTK Global Short on ESPN+. Plus, uh, IFL TV, if, you have, if you're not in the, in the States. That's going to be interesting as well. I'm looking forward to that one as okay, well. Okay, so maybe- again, the MTK Global Contract, and you wrote about this earlier in the week. They can look at it on BigFightWeekend.com. These eight fighters only learned who they were fighting a little uh, earlier in the week. It's not like they've even had a couple of weeks to get ready for the opponent. They found out the opponent like Tuesday, right? Tuesday or Wednesday, and they're fighting now on Friday in London uh, on this show that's on ESPN+, Plus. depending on when you're hearing the podcast. On Friday, they're fighting all day. Uh, eight fighters fighting in seven fights uh, before it's all over with. Uh, four of those fights will obviously be this Friday. Absolutely. They pretty much drew, drew straws and drew hats on Tuesday, TJ, <laughs> in the ring on Friday. <laughs> it's like the contender. I love the reality show, The Contender, from Mark Burnett. We have the Latin snake Sergio Mora on here all the time. Uh, Al- Alfredo uh, Gom- Alfonso Gomez uh, mm-hmm. that was on that Peter Manfredo that was on that show I love the contender they've continued the show uh, what on epics right they continued the contender yes. even last year where you you might find out the day of who you're fighting so uh, it is in real life now on the MTK global card all right before you go same question I've asked several other guests Give me the under over. Does does Wilder Ortiz see like the seventh round? You got six rounds or less in this one. Will it go later? Will it maybe go the distance? I think this is going to be less than six rounds, TJ. I just think that Ortiz has gotten to the, the best shape of his life. Unfortunately, they're landing to a right from Wilder, as 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 so many others have. And they don't usually get up. Fury did get up. Will and in and in the case of Ortiz, he had been knocked down a couple times earlier, but eventually he did not get up from the right uppercut in the tenth. We uh, we shall see how it all plays out. Marquise, thank you. Uh, we encourage everybody to follow you at Week Sauce Radio. Read you on BigFightWeekend.com. In advance, while this is going on and after all the boxing action, BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you, Marquise Johns. Thanks, TJ, for having me on as always. And we thank you for tuning in on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Roll call of guests, JT the Brick with me from Las Vegas setting the scene. Mark Breland in the corner, the former world welterweight champion. He's the trainer of Deontay Wilder in the corner. Uh, with him on Saturday night. He was with us on the show. Also, uh, Antoine Williams, greatest of all time, boxing promotions, the GOAT. The GOAT boxing promotions, look them up. Again, scouting fighters and talent in and around Houston. Also, David Payne from the UK, the boxing writer at boxingwriter.co.uk. Love the boxing writer on Twitter for his insight. And Marquise Johns from bigfightweekend.com helping break it down. I'm with all of these guys. I think this should be an entertaining slugfest between Wilder and Ortiz. I'll take Wilder early. 
boxing, like four rounds or less in this one as well. Enjoy the boxing. Read on on BigFightWeekend.com. We'll come back with another Big Fight Weekend podcast. Depending on what happens here, we may be back with a recap podcast coming off the weekend. Enjoy Wilder and Ortiz. Saturday night, Las Vegas. We'll see what happens. And thank you for being with us on Big Fight Weekend.